0: hello and welcome to eyes on success a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility now here are the hosts of this program nancy goodman torpe and peter torpe hello i'm nancy and i'm pete
1: and here we are arriving at our new home in golden up up thank you up 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 some stairs up up Here we are at the front door. I guess we can put braille labels on that keypad so I can get in without a key. Welcome home. Well, this week's show is going to be a little bit different. As many of our regular listeners know, Nancy and I just moved cross-country from Rochester, New York, to Golden, Colorado, and that was a big move. Many of our listeners asked us to talk a little bit about the move and how it went for a
2: visually impaired person. But first for a tip of the week. This week's tip is it pays to be both patient and persistent, and this move was the result of those traits paying off big time.
1: And I was the one who was both patient and persistent. The way we got here was that our son, after college, decided to work at one of the ski resorts in the mountains around here. And as a result, we became introduced to Colorado by visiting him many times. And after he left to marry someone in Michigan, we kept coming back for
2: vacations to hike in the sun and have a great time. And for the last bunch of years, Pete's been trying to talk me into moving to Colorado, and it finally worked. Support for Eyes on Success is made possible by Logan Tech, makers of the electronic Take Anywhere six-dot braille label maker that produces crisp, clear braille that strikes, scores, and cuts in seconds. More information on our family of devices and products is at logantech.com. Logan Tech, improving quality of life with technology. At this point in the program, we usually introduce our guests, but you guys know us already, and you'll get to know more about us throughout the show. So we would like to use this segment of the show to thank our listeners for your patience as we went through this move, which turned out to be incredibly time-consuming, as you will hear. And so we did for the first time in six and a half years, resort to airing some encore presentations. And we hope you enjoyed having a chance to listen to some of our favorite episodes from over the previous six and a half years. But we're settled in Golden, Colorado, and we're starting up making a new episode every week again, as we had been doing
0: for years before the move. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. This week's focus topic is
2: what it's been like going through a major cross country move, and in particular, what it's been like for Pete as a blind person. Let me tell
1: you, we've moved many times across town, but moving cross-country was a much bigger deal, especially after you've been collecting stuff in your house for
2: about 26 years. Isn't that the truth? So for anybody considering a major move, the first thing you need to do is find a place that you want to move to, and that includes the overall location as well as some specifics about where your house is going to end up being relative to that overall location.
1: And we didn't make this move cold turkey. We had been here many times of the year in several locations around Colorado and Golden in particular, so we were familiar with the area. We wanted a place where I could walk many places— And we did that. We're pretty close to downtown Golden. We're right across the street from the entrance to a number of hiking trails that make a web around the county for miles and
2: miles and miles. Some other attractive features of living in Golden, Colorado, which is a suburb of Denver, but right up against the foothills to the Rockies, is that there's good mass transit. There are ride services like Uber and Lyft and it just makes it really easy to get around.
1: And that's one thing we always look for when we're looking for a new place to live, especially since there's only one driver in our family, and it is not
2: me. Another important consideration when deciding where to move to is to find a safe and appropriate house layout. You know, it's
1: interesting, in looking for a house layout... Often when Nancy and I take vacations, we'll go to open houses just to see how people live in different parts of the country and what different house layout plans there are. So when we finally found one here in Golden, we were pretty confident that I would be able to get along with it okay. I mean, some of the things that I looked for in some of these houses were they had open basement stairs kind of in the middle of nowhere. And I was always worried about, am I going to fall down there? You know, I'm used to having a basement door, but not all houses are built that way. Also, since we're not getting any younger, we decided our next
2: house was going to be a single floor house, and that's what this is. And then once we picked out the house, of course, it takes a little while for the deal to go through and then move to actually start happening. And I got hold of the floor plan for the house from the builder. This house is a couple of years old already. We didn't build it, but I got hold of the floor plan, and... I drew over all of the walls with some puff paint. It's a fabric paint that makes a thick enough line that Pete could feel it. And that way, even while we were back in Rochester, he could learn his way around the house by exploring where the rooms were relative to each other. It was a lot easier to wander around the map
1: she made me with my fingers rather than crashing into all the walls and getting bloodied up.
2: So we picked a house, we embarked upon the move, of course we had to put our old house up for sale, and that's a whole other story by itself, but selling a house isn't any easier than buying one. And then we contacted some movers, and they told us they were going to charge by the pound to move our stuff. Well, let me tell you, we got really motivated to get rid of anything we didn't really want to bring with us. It it amazed me, as
1: I said in the beginning, how much stuff one can collect over the years. A lot of it is just kind of Stuff that, oh, well, I have this. It's not worth getting rid of. And you buy a new thing and you put it in the room or down the basement. And so it just collects, even though you may not want this stuff if you had to buy it all over again. So that was our opportunity to sort of cull our items down to the things we really wanted to take.
2: And this actually provided us with a very interesting opportunity to give stuff away that we couldn't take with us for one reason or another. And so we had no use for it anymore, but we were able to make so many people happy by giving them extra furniture, extra dishes.
1: And then before we did the actual move, we actually drove out to Colorado while this new house was still empty to do a number of things to the house that you'd like to do when the house is empty, like clean the rugs, refinish the wood floors, and take care of some other items around the house. And that was another opportunity for me to see if what I learned from Nancy's tactile map would work out in person. It was interesting because being in an echoey large house is uh, really a very different
2: experience than feeling it on paper. Yeah, that's an understatement. Pete was constantly getting lost. But now that we have furniture in the house, Pete has a lot more guideposts so that he can tell where he is instead of trying to find his way across an empty living room. We've got a sofa and chairs and tables in there, and so he can use that to guide himself around. And it isn't quite so echoey. Driving across country, of course, had its own adventures, The total trip from Rochester New York to Golden, Colorado is about 1,800 to 2,000 miles, depending on exactly how you go, and we spent almost a week doing it. We started by going to a suburb of Detroit to visit my brother and his wife, and then we went to Western Michigan, where our aforementioned son is now living with his wife, and at that time... One baby, but now there's two babies, which is very exciting for them and for us. And then we hit the road and drove from Western Michigan out to Golden, Colorado. If you've never driven across Nebraska, it is really, really big. But Pete did his thing in the passenger seat, keeping me entertained. And we made as fun of a trip as we could of all of those highway miles. Of course, I couldn't share the
1: driving. I felt bad for Nancy. But as she said, I was the entertainment. I kept track of podcasts and where we were and just kept chatting to her to keep her awake. And keep her awake in the car, I did.
2: And we are passing yet another million square miles of dirt.
1: In the middle of Nebraska, on our way to Colorado. Colorado
2: having already passed a few million miles of dirt in Iowa. Okay, hit it. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for for amber amber waves waves of grain, for purple mountains, Majesties, (laughs) Majesties,
1: oh, <laughs> <a> fruited <place. laughs> I think you
2: better turn it off before it gets worse.
1: <laughs> you think we've been in the
2: car too long?
0: No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the other unexpected thing that happened was we arrived in Colorado. And the next day we went into town on my birthday, possibly the most memorable birthday I've ever had. Because that afternoon, as we were in the bank, there was an epic hailstorm that caused thousands of dollars of damage to our car and more to everybody else's cars. So then we had to get the car repaired. This hail was incredible. We had never
1: seen hail like this. We saw hail the size of golf balls. People put them in my hands after they fell to the ground. But we heard people across town saw hail almost as big as baseballs. It really did a lot of damage around here. Fortunately, something like that hasn't happened in many decades, and hopefully it won't happen again too soon.
2: So anyway, we left the car at the repair shop, and we flew back to Rochester and continued to call some of our stuff that we weren't planning to take with us. And finally, it came down to the wire. It was a couple of weeks before the move date, and we had to start packing. Now, I'm pretty fussy about how things get done, but I decided that if... I didn't say that. <laughs> I realized that if I didn't want to do it all by myself, that the blind guy was going to have to do some of it too. And so I would set Pete up in a closet with a bunch of soft items, whether it was clothing or towels or pillows, anything that didn't really need to be packed carefully. And he'd go into the closet with the box, with the stuff. And by the time he was done, the boxes were full and Life was good. Just
1: hand me a box, point me to the things you want stuffed in the box, and uh, away I went.
2: So one thing we mm, could have benefited from this little piece of advice is it's a good idea to label what's in the boxes relatively clearly. If all you put on the outside of the box is the name of the room that it goes into, You really have no idea what's in it when you go to empty it at the other end. So we should have been a little bit more verbose in our labeling. But what the heck? You open up the box. It's like, oh, look at this. I didn't know this was in here.
1: I think we were pretty good, though. I mean, it turned out there were literally hundreds of boxes, and most of them at least went to
2: the right rooms, and we more or less knew what was in most of them. So it wasn't too bad. So the other thing about packing, and we packed as much as possible ourselves, except we didn't pack any of the breakables because if we had packed them, they would not have been insured against breakage. But if the movers packed them, then they were insured against breakage. So they packed all the breakables and we packed pretty much everything else. And that meant that Over the period of a couple of weeks, we were accumulating more and more and more boxes that had to go somewhere in the house. And, of course, Pete couldn't tell where they were until he walked into them. So it was important to keep them somewhere where he would be relatively safe. And we found nooks and crannies that were out of his normal travel path in which to pile up the boxes. (laughs)
1: And Nancy, for the most part, did a great job of keeping stuff out of my way. But eventually, stuff would move around, and there would be new boxes. And I kept thinking about that joke about Helen Keller, that how they used to punish her by moving the furniture
2: when she was a child. And then, of course, it came down to the wire. And it was the day before the truck was coming, so the professional moving company Packers showed up to pack all of the breakables. And there were three guys in the house, and they were all working really hard, and each one was in a separate room. And these three men were moving really fast, and they were moving boxes really fast, and nothing stayed where it was.
1: I learned to cower really well, and fortunately avoided any collisions.
2: Yeah, Fortunately, we had emptied out some of the closets, and so Pete had his choice of which closet he wanted to cower in. Okay. I did manage to stay out of trouble. And then the next day, a whole different crew of very hardworking, very strong people showed up to load the truck. And, of course, these people wrapped the furniture, which in some cases meant dismantling the furniture and rearranging the furniture as they were staging things to put onto the moving truck. And, of course, it rained in the middle of the day, so things were being staged all over the place, and there were people and boxes and furniture in constant motion. And what did you do, Pete? I continued to cower. And, you know, sometimes... That's really the best answer is to just stay out of the way. If, if you're worried that, you know, you and the stuff and the people are going to collide, just stay out of the way.
1: But this was an interesting process to watch them wrap the furniture in lots of blankets. Some of the furniture was actually shrink-wrapped with large sheets of plastic. And I was particularly careful to watch how they packed up my
2: six-and-a-half-foot Yamaha Grand Piano. They did a super job with the piano, thank goodness. The only real mishap was when the neighbor came home towards the end of the day and the truck had been obstructing the entrance to the neighbor's driveway and so the neighbor asked the driver to back up the truck and unbeknownst to the driver, who I suppose could have looked before he backed up, but he didn't, one of his co-workers had parked his car a little bit too close to the back end of the truck. So the truck backed into the car. And this was a very large truck and a normal size car and predictably did some damage. There were some
1: unhappy words spoken. But fortunately, that didn't affect our move too much.
2: So... They loaded up the truck. Fortunately, we had previously driven the car cross-country, so we did not have to race the truck cross-country. We waited a few days while we were cleaning up the house for the next people, and then we hopped on an airplane and flew out to Colorado.
1: And we got a great welcome at the Denver airport and then hopped on the shuttle from the gate to the terminal.
2: This could be our dream. The doors are closing. Please keep clear and hold on for departure to terminal, ground
0: transportation, and baggage claim. Welcome to Denver.
2: This is the terminal.
1: All passengers, please exit and follow signs to ground transportation and baggage claim. And after we left the airport, we finally made it to our house, which was nearly completely empty at the time. Fortunately, in our previous trip, we bought ourselves an air mattress. We had some lawn chairs that we used to use when our kids were playing soccer. And we had an upside down box that we use as a dining room table on our back porch. And life was wonderful. But we had to wait a few days for all of our furniture to show up. And repeat the whole process with moving boxes, moving people, and
2: lots of chaos. And Pete had to find somewhere new to cower.
1: Cowering became quite a great experience for me.
2: So the other thing that we wound up doing, this is standard practice among professional cross-country movers. They had inventoried every item, so every box, every lamp, every chair had a little numbered sticker on it. And the head guy of the crew set me up in the kitchen, spread out all of these inventory sheets on the counter, and every object that entered the house, somebody would call out the inventory number, and I would have to check it off of the list. 237, pink. 238, pink. 237, pink. 242, pink. Thank you. So that tabletop... Uh Houses that's going to go in the front study. Okay, 141 pink. Okay, great.
1: Amazingly, everything showed up. Or so we think. Well, yeah, it takes a long time to unpack. We've been at it now for about two weeks, and there are still a couple of dozen boxes around. But our three-car garage is completely full of boxes.
2: So once all the stuff arrived and the movers left... It was up to us to unpack everything. And, you know, many people give this advice to people with visual impairments. It's important that every object have a place and get returned to that place so that the blind person can find it again. Well, of course, this is a totally new house and nothing had a place. So everything we took out of a box, we had to figure out a place. And then sometimes it would turn out that something else was a higher priority and needed that place so the other thing would get moved. And so remembering where everything is has become an exercise in hitting a whole string of moving targets. But one thing
1: that helps is that, you know, when I unpack boxes myself and put them where they belong myself. That gives me an extra reminder of where they are rather than Nancy taking something out of a box and saying, OK, I'm putting it down here in this last cabinet. But if I actually, you know, tactily feel all this myself, it reinforces where everything is. So that's been helpful, too.
2: As we've been settling in, we've managed to escape unpacking boxes for some fun from time to time.
1: OK, here we are at the top of North Table Mesa Mountain,
2: which is only a little bit redundant. <laughs> And what do you see? Well, at the very top, we're basically walking through an open meadow that's flat, which is the distinctive characteristic of a mesa. However, because we're really close to the Rockies, we can see the front range of foothills, which are pretty substantial mountains themselves, stretching out all the way from the south to the north and behind them a handful of snow-capped mountains, and it's July.
1: It's nice and open up here with nice smells from some of the grasslands and a couple of trees.
2: And we passed hikers, but not too many. fair number of mountain bicycle riders going uphill and downhill. Considerable amount of evidence that horses have been here. But we didn't see any on the trail today. We did see horses on the trail the other day.
1: But Nancy managed to keep me away from them.
2: Now for this week's final segment, we have some comments about the human side of this move. We talked about the mechanics and some of the experiences we had, but the human side is really important. And the reason I had been dragging my feet about moving at all in spite of Pete, shall we say, suggesting it for years, is that I really was reluctant to leave our friends back in Rochester. And so no matter how busy we got As we were packing and preparing the old house to sell it, we made sure to save time to spend with the people who were important to us. And we had parties and long walks and quiet dinners and you name it. You know, we made sure to say a really quality goodbye to each of the people we cared about.
1: But as Nancy said, one thing that made a difference in terms of her considering to move out here was that earlier this year, we spent quite a bit of time out here, like three weeks or so. And during that time, we were able to connect with people out here that we knew we could become friends with. In fact, we've become quite attached to some of them. And so it was a proof that we could actually meet new people and join a new community and have a nice life here.
2: So one couple we met that we really hit it off with was kind of a funny story how we met. We were out here, as Pete said, for three weeks, and our daughter, who lives in Oregon, which is another couple thousand miles from here, mentioned to us that she had a friend and coworker whose parents lived in Golden, Colorado, and we would really like them. Now, of course, she'd never met them, and... Her friend had never met us, but her friend assured her parents of the same thing. Oh, you'll really like Allison's parents. And so the two kids set up the four parents on a play date. And we all felt like we'd been kind of railroaded into this. But it turned out once we met, we really, really liked each other. So everybody was happy with that. But except for something fortuitous like that, if you come to a new place, you need to find a a mechanism through which to meet new people. And one thing that many, many people have found to be helpful is to attend a house of worship. And whatever denomination that means, you know, people tend to be a community and tend to look out for each other and tend to be friendly and warm and welcoming to newcomers. And we've been really impressed at how welcoming and warm and friendly. Pretty much everybody we've run into in Colorado has been. But we did make some real friendships through the house of worship that we went to.
1: Also, other great ways of meeting people are to join organizations that have similar interests to your interests. So for example, we went to meetup.com, we like to hike, and we looked for the local hiking groups around here. And it turns out there are several dozen weekly hiking groups, and we've been attending some of those and meeting some interesting people. You know, if you're interested in sports or biking, there are biking clubs, knitting clubs, and just join an activity that you're interested in, and you'll meet people with common interests. And now we're finally settled here, or at least we will be in another month or two, totally settled. And we've started to enjoy Golden Colorado. We've been out on numerous hikes already. We've gotten together for dinner and other events with many of our friends out here already. And we're looking to having a great life out here.
2: That's it for show number 1731. Next week on Eyes on Success. We'll be interviewing the author of a book entitled College Bound, A Guide for Students with Visual Impairments. The second edition of this book was recently released, and we will speak with its author Ellen Trief, who is a professor of blind and visually impaired and severe and multiple disabilities at Hunter College. And she's got all sorts of great advice about every aspect of getting prepared for college and even succeeding once a student is there. If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call
0: us at 585-210-8094. You've been listening to Eyes on Success hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.EyesOnSuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes, follow us on Facebook and on Audioboom.com, at Success or Twitter at underscore Eyes Success.